This is My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Vanessa Finney. Today's segment focuses on a retired veteran who's gone back to college in his 40s. He'll share insights on being a non-traditional student and starting a second career in midlife. Eric Chandler, welcome to My Better Half. Thank you very much for having me. So to start off, why don't you tell us about your first act, which was in the Coast Guard? Okay, sure. I actually joined the Coast Guard uh, late, uh, uh, my 25th year of life, so that's a little bit late for a military person. Most of us come in at 18. I had not been able to develop the discipline to finish college uh, or, uh, or even attempt much higher learning in my earlier years of life. I gave it a shot and just wasn't self-disciplined enough to follow through with it. Um, so I tried manual labor and different jobs until I was 25 and finally ended up enlisting in the Coast Guard and turning 26 in boot camp. My first station was on the Oregon coast uh, doing search and rescue and a moment of extremely good fortune. A person at my small boat station had been signed up to do public affairs school training as their military profession and had dropped out at the last minute and they asked for volunteers and I raised my hand and was fortunately selected, which changed the course of my life significantly. I ended up going to public affairs school at Fort Meade, Maryland, uh, and learning the basics of media correspondence, uh, press release, and feature story writing, and uh, multimedia, which was fairly difficult back then. The technology isn't what it was now, or what it is now. I can imagine. Uh, That's interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know that there were such things as media courses in the military. Uh, all services go to uh, Fort Meade, Maryland to learn basic public affairs, and most services go back for higher advanced courses throughout their careers. Uh, my career, I never ended up actually getting to go back. I learned everything in the field. Uh, it's very expensive for the military to send people back, and the Coast Guard does not have a lot of money for that sort of training. So you ended up uh, sort of marrying this new venture that they schooled you in with your original activities, which were search and rescue cases. You ended up doing interviews with NPR in a couple of different locations about search and rescues. Is that correct? That is correct, yes. Uh, my first station as a public affairs specialist was in Juneau, Alaska, and um, I basically sat in the federal building there. I didn't deploy much at that point in my career yet and answered calls to a large and small uh, Coast Guard responses throughout Alaska. And that could be anything from a uh, fishing boat that turned up with nobody on board where people had fallen on, off at sea to um, oil or fuel spills throughout the state or uh, large fishing vessel wrecks. Uh, it could be sometimes calm and sometimes it was very intense. Uh, my first interviews uh, that were kind of major national news media uh, were due to a car carrier that flipped over in our area of response. It flipped on its side and um, several people were majorly injured and the media interest in an event like that is massive. So uh, just at the gates I was learning to field hundreds of calls and interviews in a pretty intense environment. Um, as my career continued, uh, to be honest, I was not a huge fan of sitting in the office and, and uh, answering the calls um, and the interviews, I wanted to do field work. So I got to where I was able to establish myself as a reliable uh, field asset. And on my um, undeployed time, I was answering media calls and doing that kind of work. And then on my deployed time, I was uh, getting shipped off uh, nationally and internationally to disasters to 
capture and document and um, release imagery and press releases from on scene. Hmm. It sounds like important work. Thank you for your service. Well, thank you. It was it was a really exciting time in my life. I stayed really busy, got really kind of addicted to the adrenaline aspects of the job of deploying. Um, and uh, by the time I had turned 39, the stress of the job was getting to me, and I ended up uh, retiring early and deciding to settle here in uh, southern Oregon. And then, uh, tired of the stress, you took on another stressful endeavor, and that was at the age of 39, you adopted four children. Yeah, I, uh, as I retired from the military, I was medically retired, so I was fortunate. I had built a small business, uh, a multimedia company of my own, and so I was living off of my medical retirement and my uh, proceeds from my own, my own multimedia that I was selling. And uh, I had decided to move some family here at the same time as I retired to here in Ashland. And um, unfortunately, my sister had some, uh, some life events that made her no longer capable of taking care of her kids anymore. So about a year into what was supposed to be my retirement, I took on, uh, at that time, five and ended up adopting four teenagers who are now my life uh, every day. Hmm. And uh, five years later, I have been uh, raising these kids and taking care of them. Some of them are adults still living at home, and my youngest is still 16 living at home. Anything to say about being a somewhat older parent? Um, you know, a lot of people will tell you that adopting teenagers is, is very difficult, and they're all looking to adopt uh, infants. And for me, to be honest, uh, my kids are pretty self-sufficient. So, if, you know, giving advice and trying to be, be a good example, uh, these things are fairly easy uh, for me as a communicator. Uh, I can't imagine adopting infants. That seems terribly difficult to me. Mm. <laughs> um, these kids basically just need a place to um, be safe and and develop and figure out what they want to do with their lives. And, and that part has been very rewarding to uh, be able to provide that and um, watch them grow. You're listening to My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I'm Vanessa Finney. My guest today is Eric Chandler talking about his midlife transition and going back to school in his mid-40s. Okay, so two of your children are still in school, and you now in your mid-40s recently went back to college at Southern Oregon University. Tell us about that decision and what your goals are. Well, as I was um, raising these kids, uh, first of all, as a retired military person who is fairly young retired, I don't always feel like that's the greatest example for my kids. Um, we have it pretty good in life, and uh, and they aren't seeing the example of somebody working very hard for them, having it very good. They missed that part of my life. And so part of it was that as my kids have become more and more self-sufficient, I want to lead a better example and show uh, um, show motivation to work for, uh, work for and towards something. They're also very intimidated by school, and um, me being able to accomplish that might make it easier for them. But also the cost of having um, for teenagers, young adults uh, is very high, and, and my retirement only goes so far. And um, any parent knows that a kid turning 18 doesn't mean your job's done. Um, I still have many years of uh, working with these kids. 
So going back to school is also uh, necessary for me to start developing a second career, um, and which I'm looking forward to. I have my crisis communications uh, experience in the Coast Guard, uh, although I'm getting kind of older and don't think that field work, uh, frontline field work, is probably for me anymore. So uh, during my career, I was joined, uh, I was trained in the FEMA's um, Incident Command System, which is a uh, structure where multiple government and civilian organizations can come together during a disaster and all form in their um, pre-trained positions to work together to manage a disaster. And one aspect of that is the communication center of the disaster, who is uh, keeping the media and public informed of what's going on. In my career, that was my least favorite part of the job. I wanted to be out uh, in the field doing things as I'm getting older, and these are the skills that I have. I'm looking at different positions in that communication center, and one of them is social media communications, which is becoming bigger and bigger as an aspect of communicating with the public as opposed to fielding hundreds or thousands of phone calls. Um, so that's the direction I'm trying to move my uh, next career into. Well, as a news person, um, I can tell you how much we rely on those PIOs, the public information officers, when there's a disaster or some type of emergency. So um, you will be... Uh, very well um, in need wherever you find yourself, or where do you see yourself finding a place once you um, take this new knowledge and go back into the work world? Um, well, crisis communications for uh, public affairs and crisis communications, uh, the way I see it, there's two options. Uh, there are contracting companies that uh, will field positions as needed and provide uh, uh, provide skilled people to do that, or else there are uh, government and civilian positions uh, where you are staffed uh, for that purpose. Uh, so a Department of Ecology and um, government organizations like that, I used to train with, uh, we would set up uh, fake incident command systems basically uh, for uh, made up disasters for training and all come together uh, for these operations. And, and I've worked with them in real cases here in Oregon and Washington also. Um, so I'm, pr I'm probably going to look towards government position uh, in the same field. Okay, wonderful. I love how you're building on all that massive amount of uh, experience you had in the field, and now we're getting sort of cutting edge, the latest in communications. And that makes me think of, you know, you studying social media communications in particular. I imagine you surrounded by a lot of whiz kids in their 20s who, you know, know this like the back of your hand, and, you know, which gives another level, your, your very field that you're studying, or at least one part of it, um, as an older student, you know, you might feel the difference. I wonder if you could describe your experience being a non-traditional student. Yeah, uh, I was a bit intimidated by it, I, uh, to be honest. I was really nervous um, going back to school as a 46-year-old, uh, about to turn 46-year-old. and I am um, probably close to the same age as most of my professors, maybe a little older than some. And uh, But to be honest, I feel like I adapted pretty quickly. Uh, and when I was young, I did not have mental discipline for college. So over the years, I've kind of still had this image in my head that it was going to be too difficult for me. Uh, but most of the problem was just really that I was a kind of a rebellious youth and telling me what to do. I was not very flexible to listening. And, and as I've gotten older, when, you know, when a teacher gives an assignment now, it doesn't seem as frustrating at all. You just listen and and do what they ask you to do, and you get a good grade. So the adaptive period 
it was much bigger in my head than the reality. I, I'm actually enjoying going in and uh, listening and speaking with the professors and uh, observing how all the younger people in the class are processing and, and analyzing their information. And uh, it's been very rewarding so far. That's great to hear that uh, your fears turned out to be somewhat unf- unfounded. You know, they were greater than the reality. And that is true when we're contemplating any change. Sometimes it's the fear of the unknown that can paralyze us. But when we actually dive in, we'll, we can see, okay, I can handle this. You know, it's going to be hard, but I've got this. It and- really is true, yeah. Yeah, and it reminds me, especially with you, because you you mentioned uh, not having a lot of discipline in your late teens and early 20s, so it took you a while to enroll in the Coast Guard to begin with. And obviously, probably starting with boot camp, you developed discipline there as well, so surely that's all coming to bear on your new academic career. It really is, yeah, that's definitely the truth. The military uh, taught me so much about um, uh, how to deal with frustration and, and, and just how to stop and listen and uh, follow orders, basically. I guess that's pretty obvious, but um, as a as a younger uh, teen or a young adult, uh, I was really incapable of uh, just listening and <laughs> doing what people told me to do. So then for people contemplating returning to school to develop their existing skills or even just to try a completely new path, what advice or warning or encouragement would you give them? Uh, it's absolutely worth it. Uh, I after I was pretty nervous day one, but after day one, and I could start to adapt to uh, see what the routine was going to be. Um, it was a couple weeks of learning the platforms, uh, um, the places where we log in to uh, do our homework and see where our assignments are and see our grades and all of that. It was a bit of a learning curve there, but really after a week or two, I was pretty familiar with everything that I needed to be. I would just recommend anybody go for it um, right now. There's a lot of opportunity out there, um, but they're uh, combining your job skills, whatever that field may have been, with uh, higher education makes you a, a humongous asset in uh, in the work world. Absolutely. You've been listening to My Better Half on the Jefferson Exchange. I've been talking with Eric Chandler, a veteran who returned to university this term after a long break and who is raising teenagers and young adults. Eric, thank you so much for sharing your experience. Thank you very much for having me, Vanessa.